Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 47, Instacart and AMC. I'm sure I'm feeling like a lot of you out there. You're frustrated, um, probably angry, and maybe questioning things a little bit. It was a rough week. You know, we got up, we got back to 50. I, I was feeling pretty good. And then they just cut us back down again. And we keep going down. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know when this stops. You know, I'm still in the black right now. How many more days like Friday, Thursday, will it take before we're, you know, we're in the red again? Not many. Two, one or two, if they keep going like this. And it it feels lousy. It feels lousy. You feel powerless. You want to shake the community and say, Stop buying these calls. They completely manipulate manipulate the price. That if if all the calls are for fifty dollars, guess what? They're gonna drive that price under fifty dollars. It's maddening. But you can't tell people not to what to do with their money. It's their money. They want to do that. They do that. But it's just such a rigged game. It's such a rigged system. And it's one thing if we buy our shares and we hold on to them, they can't take those away from us, right? But these calls, if you lose, it's just like Vegas. If you lose, they take your money and it's gone. And imagine if all that money had been invested in shares. Where would we be? Which is, again, when I talk about, hey, are we really going to go to 100K? Is everybody really going to diamond hand this to 100K? And these people can't even, you know, free themselves from, you know, going after these calls. I imagine if, if you've had a few of these things and they've been successful, then you made a lot of money. It's probably hard not to keep doing it. But it's maddening. I mean, I can't tell people what to do with their money, but it, I, I'm telling you I'm frustrated because I see the same thing now week after week. And at what point um, do we smarten up as as the ape nation and, and stick with our plan and try to get this going? But who knows? It's, it's frustrating. We talked about this before, that this was probably going to be their strategy. You know, weeks and weeks ago, we said, we. I heard that they were going to let the stock price go back up. Some thought it would be $100, but then other people said, nope, it's just going to be 50 And then they're going to cut it back down again and squeeze people out. And I think about it. It's funny. I talked to somebody about this and about what I thought was going to happen. And this person didn't have a great deal of knowledge about what was going on. They thought AMC was the television network AMC. And um, they actually have a position, too. uh, And they share it with with somebody. And 
I mentioned that it looked like the stock price might be getting back to 50. And they their eyes got kind of wide and said, oh, wow, you know, that's that's good. And I said, yeah, I say, but, you know, I'm not going to sell at 50. And they were like, why not, you know? And they didn't realize they basically bought in around 52. That's what they're, they were just a couple bucks under that. So, but I look back on that conversation and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this person. But you know what? They were right. If I had sold at 52 and right now we're, I know, what do we call it, 44, what are we going to close out on Monday? You know, 41. What are we going to close out on Tuesday? 38? They were right. If I had sold at 50 and just had everything in cash, I could probably wait a few days and who knows, buy everything back at $38 a share, $35 a share. I'm not, but that's what's frustrating. We, I try to do the right thing as an ape. And, you know, it doesn't seem to work out. Look, and I'm not just saying, I get scared. I'm afraid that if I started playing, doing that shenanigans and stuff like that, trying to play the, the market with AMC and swing AMC, I'd get caught. You know, I would sell and then it would immediately jump $10. And for me to panic and get try to get back in, you know, I'd, I'd spend a fortune. That's already happened with AMC and GME. You know, when I converted the five AMC shares to GME because I thought GME was going to be a better long-term play, it wasn't a short-term decision. But in the short term, AMC went up in value and GME, you know, it went down. Although, who knows, they could be lining up again. You never can tell, right? Like I said, that decision, I won't know if that's a good decision or not until all is said and done, period. Exclamation point. That... It won't be unless this thing squeezes and we're at the very end. So you're probably frustrated just like me. I see it. I, I see it on the message boards. People are tired and they're frustrated. It's, I've been in it since late May. Other people have been in it since January. Now, if you got in at two, five, ten dollars a share, well, you're still doing pretty good. It's still a pretty good investment for you. But if you're, you know, you got in in the, you know high 30s, mid 40s, you know, and then if you're at 50s or 60s, it's hard right now to have all this money tied up in AMC and you keep waiting for the MOAS to happen. You know, I'll tell you a story, Mickey Mantle, when he, when he first started playing baseball and he was struggling, I mean, think, I don't know if he was in the majors or not at this point or he's in the minors and he was struggling. And he called his dad up and said, Dad, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Um, you know, I'm kind of struggling here. And his dad came. His dad came to where he was staying. And he was there to pick up his son. He said, let's go home. If you're not cut out for this, let's go home. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't oh, you can do it. Hang in there. You'll, you'll be okay. No, he, he was going to haul him home. He was going to take him home. And um, and then, of course, Mickey Mantle, you know, straightened out and uh, went on to, you know, be legendary Hall of Fame career with the Yankees. And that's kind of what I would say to anybody right now. If you're struggling with this, especially if you're in the block, if you haven't lost money, if this isn't for you, reevaluate your situation.
understand what we're in and what we're up against. My gut feeling right now is the system is rigged against us. That if we win, if we do this, we're fighting the hedge funds, we're fighting the 1%, we're fighting the news media, we're fighting the SEC, we're fighting Wall Street. I mean, it's just all these people we're up against. Crypto, I don't know, are we fighting crypto too? Because I'm sure they want people to invest in crypto, not to have all their money in AMC. We're up against a lot. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if we're going to make it. Maybe. The, the truth is they, they have to get out of these shorts. The big question is, can they get out of it and, and break us first? Get the price back down. Can they get the apes to break? And I want you to think about this. When they short AMC, the hedge funds, they're not shorting AMC. They're shorting you. They're making a bet against you. They're making a bet against me. They're making a bet against the ape community. That they can break us. That we can get frustrated and give up. And let me tell you, it works. Because I'm frustrated. And I'm ready to give up. I'm tired. Am I selling my shares? No, not a single one. But I'm telling you how I feel because this is designed to frustrate us. Talking about baseball, you ever, you ever watch a pitcher throw to first base about a dozen times to try and keep a runner at first? I don't know if the, if the pitcher is doing that to frustrate the runner. I don't know if the runner keeps leading off to frustrate the pitcher. Maybe it's frustrating for everybody including the fans, who just want to watch the game. But time and time, he keeps throwing to first, getting that runner back to touch the bag. Maybe it tires the runner out. Maybe they're hoping for a mistake, an overthrow, drop ball, right? Anything. But it just keeps happening again and again and again, and it's frustrating. I, I was trying to think of a good, you know, as a writer, you always try to think of well, how can you, um, you know, tell a story or visualize something, a feeling. And I just feel like, you know, I, I keep saying who runs AMC Town, right? And right now the, the hedge funds do. Now, if the MOAS happens and we're setting the price, now all of a sudden the shareholders run AMC Town, right? And then after everything is done... Once the shorts have covered, once all the apes have sold their shares and hopefully made, you know, millions, then AMC can run AMC Town and have their stock back. But I was trying to visualize this. Like, what's, you know, what's really going on here? And I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Let's say the hedge funds saw a piece of land and they... Um, they made a bet that this land was going to go down in value. And if their bet came true, they would get to own all the land. And they wouldn't even have to pay taxes on it, right? All the land around there they would own. 
So they picked this one spot and they said, we, we're betting that this land is going to be worthless. And if we're, if we're right, we can, you know, we get it for a song. But if we're wrong, you know, they have to pay whatever the value of that land is, okay? And then all of a sudden, you know, the people on Reddit saw what was going on. Mostly this was, you know, with GME, you know, Roaring Kitty and and uh, D, um, DFV. And they came in and they bought all the land around those hedge funds, right? And the property value went up. And it's like, uh-oh, and the hedge funds were trapped. They were going to have to pay what that property value was. And the only, and it was going through the roof, right? And it was could be infinite. People were saying they might have to pay $100,000 for every square foot, right? That's crazy. You know, it, this square foot should only be worth, you know, five, ten dollars $10. And they might have to pay $100,000 per square foot for the land that they bought under this this short agreement and you have all these apes moved in around them got them surrounded and the ape said we're not letting you out until you pay us a hundred thousand dollars square foot okay so now it's up to the hedge funds to drive down the price so what do they do they blast music they held parties they do everything that neighbors can do to make you miserable, right? They don't cut the grass. They got an old car sitting in, in their yard with parts all over the place. You know, they wake you up Saturday morning doing yard work, um, doing woodworking with power tools. Yeah, they, um, you know, leave stuff on your property. They... Um, they're just terrible neighbors. And what they're doing is they want you to move away. They want you to quit and leave so that the property value in that area goes back down again. And it's frustrating. Maybe maybe we don't normally live in this neighborhood. We're just there. We thought it was going to be temporary. We thought we'd, you know, like a maybe a, a few days, a week, a month. But now we've been living next to these hedge funds for months now. Some places, and shortly, they're going to be closing in on a year. And it's frustrating. We want to move on with our lives. But we still want our money. We still want to get paid, right? And that's really the big question, is who's going to blink? Who's going to blink? And right now it's frustrating because the hedge funds seems like they control they have the power they have all the connections they have all the companies on the inside that do all this stuff which i quite frankly i was not aware of when i got into this play would i have done what i did had i known everything i don't know that's a tough one that is a tough one maybe maybe <laughs> It's still, if it works out, you know, it's life-changing money. But it, it, it certainly, I didn't know what I knew. I would not have gone to other people and told them to invest because it's a rigged system. I can't honestly tell someone to get involved in a rigged situation. I can tell them about it, 
they can make their own decision, but that's not fair to them. Um, and uh, I don't know. You know, part of the reason I hope this goes to the moon soon is because I just feel bad. There were a lot of people I recommended this to, right? And I left messages for them, and I never heard anything back. And right now, I am the crazy person. I was the, the insane person calling somebody with some crazy stock stock market racket. I was the guy that was gambling, taking too risky a choice. I was that guy. And I, 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 I'll be that guy till AMC moons. Then it's like, oh, wow, okay. He was right. <laughs> this thing, it took a while. But yeah, AMC went for, you know, $5,000 a share, $10,000 a share, $100,000 a share. Maybe I should have bought a few shares. Well, maybe I should have listened to them. It'd be nice to be that guy. But right now, I'm the crazy guy that called you out of the blue or sent you a message saying, invest in AMC. It's, you know, trust me on this. Yeah. It's frustrating. You know, having these neighbors, these hedge funds for neighbors. But you never know. Neighbors do move sometimes. Things happen. They're just counting on it to be us that, that moves first. <laughs> so if you're frustrated, just hang in there. We're all feeling that frustration uh, with you. And let's let's hope for the best. I know this, this past week has not been fun, especially after hitting 50. But, you know, we never know. We'll see what happens next week. Now, the name of this episode was Instacart and AMC. And it's, it's really about what I've learned um, from, from doing Instacart and having to make quick decisions and how that applies to AMC. And especially during the, you know, if the, the MOAS happens, you know, when do you sell? When do you make these decisions? So I just want to talk a little bit about that. And if, if you're interested in Instacart, I'll talk a little bit about that. I, I've told this story before, I think, but I'll, I'll recap it quickly. We bought a house a few years ago, and I wanted to get a new computer. But we didn't really have the money for that since we just bought this house. So I made a compromise with my wife. I said, well, what if I buy a used computer? And what if I get a side job? And I at night and on the weekends, and I make the money to buy the computer doing that. So it technically wouldn't impact our, you know, our savings. And she said, fine. So I looked at my options and I, I picked Instacart. So I started doing Instacart um, in around the, probably the summer, fall of 2018. Now, here were the issues I had with it when back then. So the way it was back then was you would sign up for these two hour blocks, right? And for those two-hour blocks, you, you signed up for the block and the general area um, in the, the city that you wanted to work. And for those two hours, you were basically on call. And when you were on call, they would send you an order. And you had to make a decision. You had like two or three or four minutes, whatever it was, to take the order or to turn it down. Now, I always needed the work, so I generally took all the orders they sent me. And you would go and do them, and you didn't know, you know, you didn't know, there was a lot about it that you just didn't know, and you would go off and do these shopping things, and it was very frustrating. Now, I like the area that I lived in, but it's kind of a, a rural area, and at the time, it didn't get a lot of Instacart business. So if I signed up for those areas, 
you know, I could sign up, say, you know, you sign up for these two-hour blocks. So let's say I signed up for, you know, eight hours worth of these blocks, right? And I had to commit to those eight hours to being on call. So we couldn't go to the beach. We couldn't do a family trip because I had to be at home ready to go out and do a shopping order, right? If if there wasn't a lot of orders, guess what? Um, I would be sitting around doing nothing, waiting for, for nothing. So you could commit your time to Instacart and you might not get any work or very little work. So then I would sign up for something closer to Portland, right? Now those would be frustrating because I didn't know the area as well. It was congested because it's you know downtown Portland, um, and I, you know parking could be an issue if you're you're you know you a lot of there's a lot of parking zoning going on there, um, and it, and it was just more frustrating doing that doing deliveries in the city, but that's where the work was. So I did it for this short period of time, raised the money for my computer, which I'm actually recording this podcast on right now. Now, after that, I didn't officially cancel, you know, my ability to do Instacart. I was just there on the rolls. And I thought, well, this isn't a bad thing. In case I ever need money again, I could go out and earn a little extra money. So I, every once in a while, a couple times a year, I would go out and do orders just to stay active on the Instacart rolls. Now, when I wanted to do it again as a way of making money um, so I could stay at home and watch my kids when they were doing remote school and I could leave my, you know, nine to five job, um, it had changed. So now I had the ability, it was a queue. Instead of signing up for certain blocks and committing yourself, you could shop whenever you want. You just you log on and you see what's in the queue. And you can go anywhere and do all these orders. You have, you, you're not locked into a certain area now. As long as you're willing to travel, you can go shop anywhere now. And you can look at what this order is, what store is it at, what the tip is, what the items they're shopping for, how the distance, everything. And you can make your decision whether you want to do this order or not. So, for instance, you know, you could look at something, and if it's a, you know, the, the total value of this order for you is forty dollars, right? But if you know it's going to take you two hours to do that $40 order because it's a big order and there was a lot of driving, you might be better off doing a $20 order that only takes you half an hour or an hour. Whether, you know, if it's an hour, it's basically the same. But if it, you can do it quicker, then, you know, you're better off doing one. But you basically can make all these decisions. Um, the only thing is you have to make them quickly because the really good orders with big tips um, – they go quick. You only you might have a few seconds to grab that order before somebody takes it before you. So that was the one thing that I learned from Instacart um, when it comes to the Moasses. Have a plan. Know what order. Say this is my order. This is the amount of miles I want to drive. This is the amount of shopping I want to do. If you don't want to spend an hour in a store doing all the shoppings. Don't sign up for a store or an order that's going to have like 50 items that you have to get. Look for the orders that might have 12 or, you know, 15, 20 items and do more of those orders instead of these big, huge orders, right? If that's what you want to do, if you don't really enjoy that part of it, or if you do like that part of it, go for the bigger orders if that's what makes you happy. But the bottom line is, you know, have your plan that works for you. Now, also know this, there isn't going to be a perfect way to do your exit strategy. I don't think anybody's going to have the perfect exit strategy. There's always 
people that are going to make more money or make less money when they're exiting and deciding when they're going to sell their stock, right? And you know, well, if I had held on longer, I could have made more money or, you know, oh, you know, thank goodness I didn't sell, you know, an hour ago because it's gone, it's doubled, it's doubled that value. Well, the same thing with Instacart. I can look at these orders and let's say I'm physically, I'm, I'm in the parking lot of that store waiting for an order and an order for that store comes in. But maybe it's only, uh, it's only, you know, like a $12 order. You know, it's close by, but, well, it's a quick way to make 12 bucks. okay? I could make the decision to take that order right then and there, and I go in, I shop, I do my 12 bucks. Now, after I take that order, right, literally, now I wouldn't have no way of knowing this, but maybe a minute after I take it, a $50 order could show up for the same store, and it might even be the same amount of items. It's just you have a very generous tipper on the other end of that, which happens, right? So by taking the smaller order, you missed out on taking the bigger order. Now that also goes the other way. Let's say there's that $12 order and you say, you know what, I don't wanna do that, I wanna wait for the bigger order, and someone else takes the $12 order. But then what happens? You sit there for a half an hour waiting for another order to come in that you wanna take, where you could have done that other order in the meantime while you're waiting. But again, that's something you don't know. So you're not gonna have the perfect you know, exit strategy just make the best decision that you can can make and be happy. Say, you know what, this is, I have certain financial needs right now, and if I sell my stock right now, I'm meeting those financial needs, I'm happy. Not everything, but I can meet these goals, and I'll save some for later. And then later on, you do. It goes up in value, and you use those other shares. And there's that little piece of you that says, oh, if I had held on to those other shares I sold, I could have had more money right now. But understand that's going to happen. You know, it's not perfect. Do the best you can. Make the decision that works for you at the time. And that's the way I am with Instacart. I look at it and I say, what, you know, I'm the one that's ultimately going to do the shopping. Am I okay with this? And I, I'll take that order. If I'm in the mood for doing, you know, some driving, you know, a lot of times I just kind of want to watch the ticker, right? So for if I'm in the mood for just watching the ticker, I'll take a smaller order that you know might have less items on it but maybe it's a, a, a long distance away it could be you know an hour it took me a half an hour to go drop these groceries off right well that's a half hour i can sit in the car and i can watch the ticker while i'm driving and i'm getting paid to make that delivery so you know a lot of times i'll do that now when there's no ticker to watch really that's not as big a deal so maybe i want to you know do a bunch of i'd rather do more shopping and get more orders and spend less time on the road so, you know, that's something to think about. You probably ask, well, how much money can you make with Instacart, right? And it, it honestly, it really depends on the store you shop at, the, you know, if, if people are generous with their tips. The other big thing, and this is something I've talked about, is that the customer can leave a rating for your service as a shopper. And if you have a five-star rating, that means you're going to see all the orders you know, before everybody else. You're gonna be in that top tier that gets to see the orders first, right? So if there's an order and someone's got it, you know, a $20 tip, uh, you know, I'll tell you this story. The other day, I mentioned I, I was making my Velfs, right? I said, you know what, I'm gonna take a day off from Instacart and I'm just gonna make my Velfs get them all ready. But it, it, at a certain time, the stores that I like to shop at, those orders start coming in, right? So I did, I took a break and I logged on just to kind of see what orders were there. And maybe I'll do, I would do one or two orders and then go back to the Velf, right? So I'm looking at the queue and there was an order and it was for a hundred, like $110, right? Or whatever it was. 
and, I, and I'm not used to seeing those. Most orders on Instacart are between, you know, 15 to, you know, in the 20s and then in the 30s. Occasionally you'll see a 40, 50, you know, dollar order and then you'll see those the bigger 60, 70, 80 dollar orders occasionally, right? Rare you'll see those. Usually it's someone being very generous on the tip. So now I guess during COVID, I guess during the height of COVID, which I wasn't shopping at at that point, there, there, you, there, people were putting those kind of tips on there. Although some people would take them away. They would tip bait you. They'd have a big tip on there. You would go do the order. And then after it's delivered, the customer, they have a certain period of time, they can adjust the tip. And they would dramatically adjust the tip downward, right, to um, trick, trick the shopper. But I digress. So anyway, so I'm sitting there in the queue. Now, when I first saw this one, at first I was like, holy crap, you know, it's a $100 order. And you think, well, what's wrong with it? You know, what is it? Is it like a huge order or is it just a reasonable order with a big tip? And it looked like, so I, I looked at it and it was, looked like it was just a reasonable order with a very big tip on it. And, and it wasn't the store I normally shop at and I wasn't sure about the location. So I hesitated and guess what? Someone took that order you know so my ability to take it was gone now i forget i always have i forget you can actually take the order right you can take it and it go and it's yours and then you can look at it and if you don't like it you can always reject it now if you do that a lot instacart doesn't like it and and they'll ding you on that but if you're very you know it's only rare that you do that you can probably get away with doing that a couple times and it's not going to be a big deal but if you're doing it all the time you know, Instacart will hold that against you and, and it, it'll, you know, it'll hurt your chances at getting to see the good orders, right? So anyway, um, I didn't do that and the order was gone, but that was it. I hesitated in that moment and it was gone. Now, I was content staying home that day and, and doing the VELF. I was kind of locked into that and this thing just came along and it wasn't quite in my plan. It wasn't at the store I normally shop at. It wasn't at the location I normally go to. I wasn't sure what was on the order. And as I tried to process all that new information, it disappeared. So imagine, you know, once the MOAS happens, right? And you see the stock get to a certain level and you're like, I don't know, should I sell at that level? In the time that it takes you to make your decision, that stock could drop or it could go up dramatically. So again, you know, make sure you have a game plan so that when these things happen, you'll be able to make a decision. Because if there's a lot of hesitation on your part, that could, you know, it could help you, it could hurt you. When I first started investing AMC, I was in a rush. I wanted to buy in. I just wanted a seat on the rocket ship. And as soon as I had money available, I invested. Now, at the time, it was, I got in at, at the high, you know, mid to high 30s, and it kept going up. Till when I was finally getting, you know, what funds I could get together, at a certain point, I was buying in the 50s and sometimes in the 60s, right? Because thinking that any day now, the ship, the rocket ship was going to blast off and it wouldn't matter whether I bought at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 because it was going to go to a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a share, right? Well, it didn't. It went back down and I had for a while, I had a, you know, pretty high average. Now, what subsequently happened was, when it got into the 30s, I started buying more and I was able to, you know, bring my average down. So then when it went back to the 50s, I actually was earning more because I had put a lot of more, you know, mid 30s AMC stock in into my uh, position. So, you know, my point is this, just have have a plan ready. Um, 
and hesitation may not be the worst thing. I'm not saying don't hesitate. I'm just you know saying that can come into play because if I had hesitated when I had first started investing in AMC and I had held off on some of my funds, I could have you know bought more at thirty dollars a share than I did at you know fifty or forty dollars a share. So you never know. But have a plan. Be ready to make decisions. Know that your decisions won't be perfect, but just make sure they meet the financial goals you have for yourself and really have an understanding of that. Listen, the truth, the reality is we can never have too much money. We will adjust. If you give us a million dollars, we will create a million dollar lifestyle and live up to it. If you give us $10 million, we will create a $10 million lifestyle and live up to it. There's never enough money. If your goal is just to get as much money as you can out of this, I don't know if you'll be satisfied because whatever you get out, whatever your exit strategy is, it will probably go higher than that, right? And you can't help but be disappointed and with your performance and say, oh, if I'd held off more, I could have made more money. I don't, I don't think you're, you know, the other way you go is you hold off too long and you lose your ability to make money. But my point is this. If you say, look, these are my financial goals, this is my life-changing money, and this is what I can do with this and you achieve those goals, yes, maybe you could have made more money, but you achieve the goals that you set out to do. And now's the time to think about those, especially when there you know, seems doesn't seem to be a lot of action, that it's easier to think about those goals than in the middle of the rush. Because listen, there are times, realistically right now, I want to pay off my credit card debts, right? Realistically right now, I just want to pay off my credit card debt, right? And start over with that before these things get way too out of hand. Okay. Now, if 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 I'm left to my own devices and I start thinking about this this stock going to the moon and oh, what if it does go to a hundred thousand dollars a share? And I think of all the money I can make and I start getting competitive and I think about all the successful people I know in my life and I say, ah, if it goes here and I hold everything and I sell it at that point. You know, I'll be the richest person I know. And everybody can look at me and say, there, Russ Corey won. He's the winner. And you start getting these delusions, right, of what you think you should be selling for and holding for. Now, sure, that would be nice if that happens. But I would just say be careful. Be humble in what you want to do with this money. And, and, you know, I want life-changing money. And trust me, I want more than my fair share But, you know, I have to check myself sometimes and say, don't let your ego get the best of you and play these mind games on you. You know, have your financial goals and and be ready to move because you just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if any systems are going to go down. We don't know if any brokerages are going to go down. You know, I have multiple brokerages. So if we have trouble with one, we can go to the other and try to sell the shares there. Um, and, you know, just be ready for all of that. That's one of the other things about, you know, listen, let's say you do go early, right? When less people might be selling and you, you know, you're able to get these orders to go through. And then later when that, you know, now that the share price has doubled or tripled or quadrupled from what you first sold that, now those issues are happening. Now the more people are trying to get it, it's overwhelming systems and you can't get your order fulfilled. But before when there was less of a rush, you could. It's kind of like Christmas shopping. You're trying to shop on Christmas Eve or, you know, that Black Friday. Expect a lot of people around. If you start doing your Christmas shopping in October, you're probably not going to have an issue. So think about that. But 
Um, just in, in Instacart in general, it's it's a much easier system now than it was. Um, I'll be honest with you, the money that you make is not that great. You're really dependent on tips. Some people will leave a $20 tip. Some people will leave no tip. Some people will leave two bucks, right? Um, it's, it's a funny thing, tipping. I think most people, if you go into a restaurant and you get a good meal, you'll tip. You tip between, I think it's general, you know, 15, 20%, right? Depending on, you know, how you tip. But that's generally accepted. Everybody kind of knows that, right? Instacart, I don't know what people really know what we do. But, you know, if you went to the restaurant and the, the, the waitress had to go, then you, you put your order in. The waitress had to drive to a store, shop for all the items you want in your meal, put them back in her car, drive to your house. And if, if you're in an apartment, you know, go up three flights of stairs to your apartment or just deliver them to your house, which could be, you know, 30 miles away, 15 miles away, 10 miles away, whatever it is, and haul these things to your, your front door. You know, are you really going to tip your waitress two bucks for that? I don't know. And, and that's the other thing. It's kind of a, a luxury to, to use Instacart. Um, if, you, if you don't want to, you know, you know, be generous with your tips, then maybe don't don't use it because you're sort of it's kind of like going into a restaurant and not wanting to tip your, your waiter or waitress and thinking, wow, I can get a discount on my meal. I just don't have to tip the, the waiter or waitress. I don't know. So anyway, well, my kids are invading. So that's probably a pretty good time. To wrap this podcast up because it's getting to be bedtime on my other podcast the, the stories for kids podcast we always end it with the end of the podcast sound effect so it's uh you know the next the next episode of the podcast it's going to be about having ideas um it'll it, it'll be about you know having ideas and pursuing them whether it's books screenplays product inventions we'll talk a little bit about that and that'll be the next episode of the AMC stock story. Mia, do you want to do the end of the podcast sound effect? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Make peacock noises.